Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. We have a special episode for you this week on the podcast, as you are going to get to hear from my friend, Michael England. And Michael and his wife, CG, have such a heart for the special needs community. They are the founders of The Exceptional Bean, which is a coffee shop here in our hometown that will employ adults impacted by disability. And in this episode, Michael shares his heart and his passion for helping others, his love of running and his journey to sobriety. I know you're going to be so encouraged by his story. All right, Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I am, I've am i been looking forward to this conversation. It's taken us a little bit of time to get here, but I'm so glad that you're here to share your story because you and your wife are two of my most favorite people on the planet. So thanks for being here. Hey, so glad to be here. Thanks for having me, for sure. Okay, so I read your bio. We always send this little form to the people who are going to be on the show. We ask them to give us a bio. We ask them, hey, what are things you want to make sure we talk about? You know, and then I ask, hey, is there anything you want to make sure we don't talk about? And I have to admit your bio, I love it. And I'm going to just read through it. I typically don't do this at this part in the show, but I'm going to do it on this one because it's so great. So you, you say, I, you're going to be the the GM, general manager of the Exceptional Bean, which we're going to unpack these things later, but you're going to be the GM of the Exceptional Bean. You're from Crossville, Tennessee, but you live here in Cookville, Tennessee. You're a graduate of TTU, and you graduated at the age of 40. Uh-huh. You're yeah. an, a big runner. Story. Do what? That's a long story. Long story that we're, we're going to unpack these things. <laughs> uh, you and you participate with Ang, Ainsley's Angels, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. You ran the Boston Marathon here in April. Amazing. Thank you. Finished third overall in the Memphis State Jude Marathon in December and raised $10,500 for that. Your claim to fame, yes, this is how I know you originally, how I've got to know you originally, is that you are CG's husband. (laughs) Yes, everybody here in our town knows CG. So yes, you are CG's husband. And I love this part. You're 42, you got sober at 35. So you've been an actual adult for about seven years. I love that. We're going to talk about that. And then, so this one is, uh, you're you're at your worst when watching Tennessee volunteer football. 100%. 100%. That is, that's like my only uh, toxic trait uh, that has held over from uh, my previous life. And it's, uh, I'm still working on that. It's progress, not perfection, but we're working on it. Well, and I love that we've had this conversation so many times about how, you did not know my late husband, Jeff, but mm. you two would have gotten along so well. There's so many things like there's TV shows that you both liked, movies and all these things. And that's another thing that was same with Jeff. It was like he was at his worst when watching Tennessee football. So it's right. Ir- I mean, it's irrational. And it's at this point in my life. I mean, I'm, I'm 42 and I, I, I understand that at this point in my life, they're children. I mean, these are these are, <laughs> so true. These are 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old children. It's so and, true. 
they can ruin my weekend. And honestly, what I've had to do is I've just had to stop watching. And I watch from, I'll check the score or I'll watch from afar. I have to find something to do that day to occupy my time. Or I'm just like, this is dumb. I'm letting these children ruin my day. I can't. <laughs> that is so funny. And it is amazing when you look at the, the college students these days. And you're right. I mean, they're they're like, yes. so they're- they look like little Yes. So they look so young. And I guess that just means I'm that much older. So that's right. Oh, my goodness. And then you say you're at your best when you're running or helping others with your wife. And that is so true. And, you know, I, I said we're going to there's a lot and there's a lot that I want us to try to unpack in this conversation. So we're going to see how far we get. I don't know. Oh, sure. We'll see. So I was having a conversation with Kim before we started recording and I was like, OK, what are some things that you think we need to make sure we talk about in this conversation? And this is one of the things that Kim said, and she's so right because she said what she loves about you and CG is that you have both taken the unique gifts that God has given you, you running CG, her great retail sense, her great love of people. And Mm -hmm. you're using those gifts and talents to love and serve so many people, but especially the special needs community. And I just look at that and she's so right. You are using what God has given you to love and serve families like ours. And so thank you. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, you're welcome. It's it's our pleasure. I mean, it's one of those things where, um, and you know, I've I've read so many quotes. um, And before we get started, I would just like to just say that um, I had an opportunity to speak uh, Saturday night at, a, at uh, uh, an AA meeting. Um, it was the the place where I got sober, and I let them know as well that I've never really had an original thought about anything. So most anything say <laughs> is going to be something I've heard someone else much smarter than me say, and I'm just going to regurgitate it absolutely in my, in my own fashion. So I don't think for one second. Don't let anybody get confused. I think I'm super smart or that I've reinvented the wheel on any of this. So I'm just taking what I've heard uh, and, and, and repackaged it. But um, one of my favorite quotes is, is just, it's in life that really the only thing we have to offer is service to others. Mm. And, and, you know, I didn't, um, you know, I didn't know that of course when, when I was in my uh, alcoholism, you know, because you're so focused on yourself and it's, it's, it's how can I manipulate somebody to, to, to get something you know, for myself. And then one of the big parts about getting sober was kind of starting to look outward. I learned that I wasn't the center of the universe. And that was a very, that was very, that was a very difficult pill, (laughs) very difficult pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. Uh, But once I realized that, and I started to realize that, 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 you know, I'm at my best when I'm helping somebody else, then you begin to seek out uh, that you can, you can help others. And then of course I met CG and she's just, you know, she's next level help out. So you just when you're when you're it's amazing when you're around people like that you become more, what you're you are what you are around my, mm, I hate my, totally I, but you're, my, my parents were so correct on you are who you hang out with totally I love so. that and what I love is that the two of you have now joined forces you've brought your your superpowers together here she's Batman I'm Robin there you go Batman Robin love it <laughs> you all are joining forces to bring all the goodness to now this amazing adventure that you are on with The Exceptional Bean. And some of our listeners may be familiar with The Exceptional Bean because we had CG on several months ago, right as you guys were getting started, uh, telling her heart behind that. But I would love to hear 
your journey with this because you've taken a big leap of faith in that you have you quit your job that you had for many, many, many years that you probably thought you were going to retire there and be a big part of that other company to now become the general manager of the exceptional bean. So mm-hmm. tell a little bit about the bean and your journey of going, okay, I, this is so important to me that I'm going to give up what I know to come and do this. So it's a, you know, it's a long story and it, it goes back. I think honestly for me and for her, it kind of started with, um, with, a tra- with a tragedy. I think it started with your husband passing away. Yeah. And the and the whole journey from you know her getting to know you, and getting then being asked to be a part of Rising Above, and then we started to participate in Rising Above uh, um, uh, um, events, and and I as a child I had some experience with um, the special needs community in Crossville, and it was something that was always um, on my heart, and something that I wanted to to be, I, I, but I didn't know how, you know, you, and, and then of course life happens. And, and as I said, I got so caught up in my own stuff that, um, you know, I, I, um, got so focused on, on my own problems. And there were a lot of those that I lost sight of, of being able to help out. But once we got involved with rising above, and then of course, um, I became a, an avid runner we were going to lunch one day. We were walking to lunch over at Satco and we saw, um, I was familiar with the race wheelchairs and there was, there was a, a group set up at the IGA. And I thought, I've always wanted to know what this is about because I, I was familiar with Team Hoyt and I'm right. sure some yeah. are familiar with Team Hoyt. And I thought, I've always wanted to, to do that or learn about how to do that. So we walked over and it was the, the Stires. And we met Bradley Steyer and, and Jessica Steyer and, and all of them. And it was, uh, it was a game changer. You know, it was a way for me to use my running as a way to get involved with the special needs community. And, you know, you meet someone like Bradley and, you know, it, it, it makes you, the, the line gets blurred between who has the handicap and who doesn't, mm. you know, because he's so grateful about his life. He's so joyful about his life. Yeah. And I think back at times when, you know, because I just took for granted that I had a healthy body, you mm-hmm. know, that was just part of my deal, you know, and I didn't, I hadn't, I didn't have gratitude for that. And to be around someone like him and you begin to understand how grateful he is, it changes your perspective. Yeah. And getting to know the Steyer family, um, we, we obviously, we realized that there wasn't a lot of um, opportunity for employment. You know, we, we had a conversation about how, how, Bradley, uh, Bradley's mother, Julie, had explained to us how Bradley would, had always wanted to work and there wasn't a lot of opportunity. Then you fast forward to Sunday afternoon, laying around on the couch and there's a show on TV, uh, Modern Marvels, and it's talking about coffee shops. And it talks about how there's coffee shops on every corner in Europe and how they're all successful and how it's a huge part of the community. And that's where people hang out. That's where people get their news. It's where people, you know, learn about what's going on. And we had also been familiar with the fact that this, that they had done this before. There's another company, uh, Biddy and Bose, that had opened a, a coffee shop and had done this previously. So we, I remember saying to CG, I thought, well, I wonder if we could do something like that. You know, I mean, 
how, you know, let's Google it. How, you know, what, how much is it going to hurt to Google it and find out how much it costs to maybe try to open a bit of your bows or whatever? Well, turns out it's very expensive. So then I thought we were sitting there and I thought, well, CG, you've already opened your own business. How hard would it be to just start our own coffee shop? Now, mm. God has a sense of humor because as it turns out, it's been very hard to open our own coffee, coffee shop. But um, CG has been relentless. And I, I keep telling everyone that if, that not if, but when we get the doors open, uh, we're also going to, to get a, a statue built for her out front. Because, <laughs> I think that's a great because, idea. Because this thing 100%, I, you know, there's been 15, 16, 17 different times along the way that I just would have thrown in the towel. Um, and she hasn't, uh, because we decided to go the nonprofit route mm-hmm. and that has added so many hurdles that we, we had no idea. We were setting up hurdles in front of ourselves that we didn't even yeah. need to, up. but anyway, and then somewhere along the way, um, I have my best conversations with God when I'm running. And I remember I was running one night and it was just almost like, you know, it was almost like a, a, a a sign or a, a, it just, it was as clear in my head as it could be that, it, that, that I needed to get involved uh, a lot more than I was mm-hmm. because at the time I was working in Crossville. Um, by the time I got home in the evening, ran eight, it was time for bed. And I wasn't being able to, I wasn't being able to participate in the coffee shop that much. So I just asked her what she thought about maybe me running the coffee shop. I do have food service experience. I've got management experience and, and I think she cried or something like she was just like, I've been waiting on you to say that. <laughs> I didn't want to suggest that. It was like, but I wanted you to, to get there on your own. That I've been praying specifically for that. And I literally walked in the door from one of my runs and I was like, what would you think about me managing the coffee shop? And she was like, that's, that's what we need to do. And at some point, um, once we began to do the build out and the construction, it got to where she couldn't do it and run her business. Right. That's when we had to take the leap of faith and, mm-hmm. and we had to quit a very stable situation to, uh, to start really making this happen. And, uh, you know, I am my father's son. And so quitting a job and having that security, I had a total meltdown freak mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And I was able, I'm grateful that I have running. I, I, I Running helped kept, keep me sane. Mm-hmm. And then we also have some very wonderful friends that kept me kind of employed in the interim and was able to help uh, bridge the gap between the two. And um, so, but you know what? I, the, the, I've never heard, I told CJ, I said, I've never heard any successful person talk about their success story and there not be at some point a huge risk. Mm. You know, you're, yeah. that, that, that is the one key component to every person that is successful or something takes off mm-hmm. that they didn't risk something. And yeah. oftentimes it's something pretty big. So I felt like this was, the, this was my, I, I had never done that. I'd always played it safe my mm-hmm. entire, yeah. and it's something that was on my heart. And uh, it's been incredible. You know, it's one of those things. It's just like, once you, once you leap, you get, yeah. to, you don't get reward until you leave the ledge. Mm, so true. And it's been so fun for us on the other side of it, seeing the progress, seeing the, the changes and the changes of location and, you know, the, just the, all the ins and outs. And I think for me, one of the, the most beautiful pieces was when you all started doing interviews, yeah, we are. Uh, it, you all did some here at the rising above office because we were accessible yeah. and you were able to get in here to do interviews and, and I loved hearing you 
share some of those stories and your excitement. Sure. I mean, you had me in tears with the stories you were sharing. And so share some of your most favorite interview stories. So you, you haven't opened yet, but you're getting everything ready. You've done your interviews to hire our friends with special needs to work at the coffee shop. So tell about some of those interviews. What are some of your most favorite stories? Yes. Yeah, so, um, and, and here's the thing for me, we're, this is one of those things like we're just kind of making it up as we go along. You know, we've never done this. Right. We did no playbook. And um, so we didn't know what to expect. And I, and we, and w- so we backed up from that. We had our job fair and we're hoping to get people to show up. And Tony Whitaker um, h- had talked about having a, a job fair for special needs community. And he, you know, and he said, well, he came to our exceptional bean job fair and he was blown away by how many people showed up he said i think we ended up having like 45 um 45 applications filled out at our job fair and see we didn't know what was good or bad i mean i was worried that it was either going to be 500 showed up or nobody showed Mm -hmm. up which both either one of those would have been bad right and we had almost like a a perfect number of applications filled Mm -hmm. out so i don't think that's a coincidence yeah but even Tony said, he was just like, we had a job fair for the special needs community not that long ago. And he said, I think we had three people show up. He said, so wow. this, so this, the word has gotten out about this thing and people are fired up about it. And so as the interview process began, I was super nervous about it. You know, I, you know, it, I had never done this before. And our first interview, um, young lady named Rachel, and she came in. And I was nervous and CG was nervous. I could tell she was nervous. And I was just like, are you nervous? And she was like, I'm very nervous. And I said, well, let's just, let's all just take a deep breath. And we stopped, took a pause, took a deep breath and kind of just, I told her, I said, this is very informal. I said, we're just going to get to know you and find out if this is going to be a good fit or whatever. And we just took the pressure out of the room. Mm. And, and from that point on, that kind of set the tone. Her interview went amazing. And it seemed like after every interview, me and Seed, you're like high-fiving or like crying or you're just excited. And what was so funny was, was we were going to do the interview process and then we were going to have the orientation where they show up. And that was when we were going to let them know, hey, you're hired. But CG is like, you know, <laughs> when she buys me a gift. She buys my pre- my Christmas present in November, and from November to Christmas, she's like, "Do you want your Christmas present?" <laughs> That's- so every time it would go well, she was like, "And you're hired." That's <laughs> okay. Well, you're hired apparently, and I so it. it was so funny. And they came in. Another friend of mine, Drew Blaylock, owns Crawdaddies. He said a week before we were going to do our interviews, he said. Uh, if you're going to hire 50 people, you're going to need to do a set of hundred interviews. He goes, a lot of them won't show up. Mm. And then once you hire them, they will show up. So we set 40 interviews, 40 people showed up. Amazing. They showed up on, they, not on time. They showed up early. Early. And they, every, I mean, almost every one of them let us know that they have been working on their eye contact. They've been working on their handshake. And also, I need—I should have said earlier. I'm, I may cry at some point, so just so hey, bear with. We me. we love tears here on the podcast. It, it we love tears. Yeah, bring it on. It, it's it's just it's it's incredible. You know, I feel like when when you know you expect nothing from somebody, I feel like you get nothing. But when you give them, a, you give anybody an opportunity, 
and you let them know that, hey, this is how this is supposed to be done. You got to dress a certain way. You got to act a certain way. Mm-hmm. I think they can rise to that occasion. Yeah. And and to a fault, every single one of them did that. And um, we laughed. We cried. There was one of the interviews that I did at Rising Above was with Miss Nancy. And this is one of my favorite. I love this. Yeah, she is she is she has a family. Uh, Jordan uh, is, is her caretaker, and they came in together. Miss Nancy is, of course, she's confined to a wheelchair, and she is uh, nonverbal, but she has a machine that she is able to uh, use to communicate. And she comes in, and, and we're we're talking about you know what she may do, and 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 I think Jordan said something to the effect of, she was like, well, when we find out if she gets hired or not, and, and I went straight CG on him. I said, well, she's hired. She started, and then, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there choking back tears. Well, we, she shows me how she can use her, her uh, communication device, which is amazing, by the way. And um, interview's over, they leave. <clears throat> I, I lose it. I'm bawling. And you're in the, in the rising above office. Well, they had forgot something. So they come back in the door and I'm like, Oh, Hey, uh, Hey, what's going on? Trying to like, you know, not look like I <laughs> pull it together. Yeah. By myself. And it's just exciting to see, you know, um, um, something that I've taken for granted my entire life is just simply, uh, having an opportunity. I took for granted that I could walk in anywhere, fill out mm-hmm. an application more than likely get an opportunity looking like I look sounding like I sound mm-hmm. and most anywhere w- would hire me. Um, um, there was so many, uh, Don's son, Austin was amazing. He, he told me, he was like, I've been working on my handshake and he like took his hand out and, and he did great. Told me all about all the different, um, jobs he had had. And, um, we had one, they were all going really well. And we had another one, uh, there was a son and his father came in and the father is sitting in the back of the room and he's just kind of staring and he's kind of giving me like a, like a, like he's mean mugging me a little bit. Uh-oh. And I thought, oh, okay. And, and the interview went very well. The young man's name is Kean, and the, the interview went very well. And I could tell the dad's chewing on something and he's got some questions and he just kind of looks at it and I said, Hey, does you guys have any questions? And he said, what is this? What are y'all doing? And I, I said, you know, I said, it's a coffee shop and, you know, we're going to hopefully employ individuals with special needs. And, and he said, well, you know, we've had our hopes up before that, that he could work somewhere, you know, and nothing ever comes of it. And then we get our expectations or our hopes up and then he gets disappointed. And, and you know, are you going to be open for more than two weeks? And I said, well, it's, it's taken us almost a year to get it open. So I think we're going to, we're going to keep it open for more than two weeks. We'll hit, I, I guarantee you we'll hit, <laughs> we'll, we'll hit at least two weeks. Yeah. And he starts, and at this point he starts to open up and he gets, you can tell he starts to get excited about it, mm. you know, because he's had such disappointment uh, so many times. And he's, and he said, you know, this, this could be, a, we began to talk about how this could be an opportunity for his son to meet friends yeah. Meet a girlfriend. This could be an opportunity for him to get experience to go on to other jobs. And mm-hmm. I said, that's our goal here. Yeah. I said, this is going to be working at a coffee shop. This is going to be his community. Mm-hmm. And and it just, the interview process blew us away. So it it couldn't have gone better. Well, it's been beautiful to see and watch the progress. And, you know, I know you're not open yet. I'm not sure you may be open by the time this episode airs, but you've got, you still have some, you're, you're so close. You guys are so close. Mm-hmm. And our team's excited because we we are always like we're already thinking okay we're going to be having staff meetings at the exceptional bean, 
Mm-hmm. I'm excited for John Alex to have a place to go yep. hang out. And it's not going to, you know, I don't have to worry about his noises or what, you know, like all right. of his friends are going to be there. It's going to be so accessible and opening for yeah. our families and I'm and for the community. That's the that's the beautiful thing is that the community has so gotten behind this and yeah. to have a place for the two to merge together is going I'm I'm just we're so excited. And so when you look forward to the bean opening, what are some of the dreams that you have the hopes and dreams you have for the future of the exceptional bean? So we have always said that if we can just get the doors open there um, and and employ individuals with special needs in this community, and that's all we ever do, mm-hmm. then that's mission accomplished. Yeah. I, but I also, you know, there's been so many things in my life that, you know, at the beginning of it, I couldn't have foreseen where it would have gone. Absolutely. But the day that I showed up at the high school track in Crossville, I smoked my last cigarette and ran my first mile nearly died. You know, I'm, 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 I'm nearly at the point of throwing up. I ran one mile. It was a very slow mile. If you had told me at the end of that mile that I would finish the Boston marathon, I would have laughed in your face. Right. So we, we never have, you can't know, you know, you can't mm-hmm. see the, the end of this thing. So I, I told CJ, I said, I think it's going to be a success here, but I don't know that we even, I don't think we know what this can be or yeah. what this, where this could go from here. Cause I think there's definitely a need for this. And we've already had several people uh, uh, contact us about wanting to open up a location mm-hmm. in um, Memphis. And um, somebody was talking to us the other day about Livingston. I've already had people talking to me about Crossville. So um, once we get this one open, we can begin to navigate what that will look mm-hmm. like. For me, I just think it's going to be so neat. I can see having like uh, by the brook events there and yeah. being able, to serve coffee to the to the women that come to town, uh, like you said, rising above events. We can have. Um, we met with a lady the other day. She's a speech uh, therapist, and she's going to be helping us out. And she said that she has put together um, speed dating events for the special needs community. Oh and my I, goodness! I thought that is the coolest thing ever. I said that would be so cool to do that. And she said they were such a success. And she said a lot of people just ended up with somebody who ended up being a very good friend. You know, and so, so, you know, I think there's, uh, the, the possibilities are endless, but Mm. we definitely would like to see this, um, uh, go to multiple locations and we're trying to, with the nonprofit aspect, that's a little more difficult than, than just being a a standard retail location. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think we can get there. So, so neat. And I cannot wait to you officially open and we can come have our first cup of coffee, Right yes. there in the store with you guys. And, you know, I love I love something else I love about you is your vulnerability. You're not afraid to share your story. You want to use your story to encourage and inspire others. And so, you know, you shared in your bio that um, you got sober at 35. All right. You're 42. So you've been a, an adult for about, about seven years now. You've been an adult. So yep. I would love for you to share your sobriety journey and, um, how, where you are today and how, how you got from there to here. Sure. Um, you know, it was a thing where, um, drinking for me, especially at a, at an early age was something that, um, you know, it was, it was how I fit in with my peer group and it was, um, you know, we all have insecurities. And for me, it was something that helped all those insecurities go away. 
and I could become the person that I wanted to be. I could be funnier. I could be 10 feet tall. I could be all these things that I felt like I wasn't without it. And, you know, I also like to tell everybody, and I mentioned this Saturday when I spoke, um, you know, I don't have some horrible story that I had to overcome. Again, I, you know, I showed up early to the track and set the hurdles up myself. And that's kind of how I look at my life. You know, I was afforded every opportunity that, that anybody could have to have a successful life. So anything that I had in my life as far as struggles, I feel like that I had to, t- that's me. I had to take that responsibility. But as you go through life, um, I came to Tennessee Tech. I joined a fraternity. And of course, the drinking, became, but, you know, at that point, you are, um, you, you don't stick out. You know, my problem drinking didn't stick out as much at mm-hmm. that, that time because it was kind of camouflaged in the in the group that I was hanging out with. And then as you transition into your your mid to late 20s and then, I, you know, I got married and um, it's amazing how people in your life will even help um, hide your drinking and will help uh, mask it or just keep up this this uh, it's a house of cards, mm-hmm. you know, and the consequences began to get more and more and more severe. And Memorial Day weekend, May 28th, 2015, um, you know, I had gone on a pretty, pretty bad, um, I guess you just call it bender. And I, I had woke up, I had zero dollars to my name. I had maxed out credit cards. And I was at a place where um, I, I had backed, I had painted myself into, I had drank myself into a corner. Mm. And so um, I went to I went to an AA meeting, and I, I did not have any intentions of getting sober. I needed to I needed to quit drinking just long enough to get my life back together, and then I was going to eventually one day figure out how to drink like a gentleman, because I could not at that time imagine a life without it. Yeah, because it's how I socialized, it's how I laughed, it's how I watched Tennessee football games. And <laughs> you made it through the Tennessee football games. Yeah. <laughs> the Tennessee football games and, and, mm-hmm. and all of that. So at some point during the, you know, and I, I told this Saturday night, I said, there was so many people that God put in my way that, that I didn't want to be there, but they were there. Yeah. And, and, and there was a gentleman by the name of Bill who, who I, I said, Bill became my sponsor against my will. He was, he was an older man. And he said, I'd been there for probably two or three weeks. And he said, you know, do you have a sponsor yet? And I said, no. And he said, well, we're meeting after the meeting tonight and, and you, and I'm your sponsor. And I was like, okay, okay, old man, that sounds good. And he was the kind of individual that wasn't, I'm, t- you know, I was going to outsmart everybody mm. and he had heard it all. So he, he, all of my BS, he was not going to listen to. Yeah. And he's exactly what I needed. And there were other people, you know, uh, a very close friend of mine, Buck, you know, he was there and he was very happy. And all of these people that were happy to be there and joyful. And you can tell when somebody's joyful. At first, it angered me because I just like this is a I don't believe you for a second. This is an absolute con. There's no mm-hmm. way that you can be this happy and be sober. The, the thing was 90 meetings in 90 days. And after that 90 meetings in 90 days, which I did, my life got better. And somewhere along that, in that time frame, I began, um, I began to, I began to run. Okay. And Bill told me early on, he said, I need you to go home. And tonight he goes, he goes, I need you to pray. And I laughed at that because at that time, my opinion of faith and God and all that Mm -hmm. stuff was, I told people I didn't believe, but 
I didn't even believe that I didn't believe. Mm -hmm. I just I thought it sounded cool or made me sound smart or whatever. And I said, I'm not doing that, Bill. And he said, well, just do me a favor. He said, go home. He said, whatever's on your mind, whatever's bothering you, whatever's on your heart. He said, just talk out loud. He said, that's all you got to do. He said, just talk out loud. He said, you don't have to do any formalities of, of what you think prayer is. And, and I did that for the first time in my life. I actually did something that somebody suggested. Mm. And then I began to run. And I think at some point, I, my willingness to seek out God, he showed up, mm. you know, and I think that's where God is. It's, it's in the seeking and it's in the, it's in the being uh, willing, you know, just showing a little bit of willingness uh, that maybe there's a better way to do this change my life. And then you add to that discipline and consistency and you just keep doing the same things over and over. Mm -hmm. What seemed impossible slowly becomes possible. Um, Somewhere along the line in the first few months, I I remember I was at work one day and I'm talking to my dad and our relationship was better than it had ever been. And we're eating lunch. And I just dawned on me. I was like, I've not thought about having a drink in quite some time. And then you, then you start to have this feeling of almost like impending doom. Like Mm -hmm. I'm doing this, but can I maintain this? And what you find is, or what I have found is if you just consistently do the things that you're asked to do each day, you continue to get the same results. Mm. It's not rocket science. It's not difficult. Yeah. It's just it's just being willing to do the things that you have to do that are required of you. So yeah. I tell people that I'm a recovering alcoholic. You know, there's no graduation ceremony. You know, I, this is something that I have to work on mm-hmm. every day, and, yeah. and and I do. And my running and my sobriety are absolutely parallels of one another. And yeah. the lessons learned in each. Um, are, are have, have completely changed my life. And just honesty too, just being honest mm-hmm. about where I am, who I am. You know, um, when I met CG, I'd been six months sober. And I, t- I tell the story about for the first time in my life, you know, I was going to be honest with somebody because I could see on her Facebook that she was, you know, successful and almost intimidated me a little bit before our first date, right? She'd been to Paris. She had just been back to Paris. Now you can keep in mind, Becky, I had like seventeen fifty in my bank account. Yeah. Just, like I'm trying to get my life put back together. Right. I told her all of this, you know, for the first time. I said, I'm not going to lie to this person. There's no mm-hmm. sense. I said, Look, I'm six months sober. I said, You may or may not have to pay the bill tonight. I don't know how much we, whatever, <laughs> depending on what we spend. <laughs> That's so funny. And I said, I'm living in a basement apartment and I'm trying to make amends and get my life put back together. Mm-hmm. If that sounds like something you want, you, you, know, you want to spend time with, cool. If not, you can pay the check and we'll go our separate ways. Yeah. But no, yeah. Things, have been, things have been amazing. Lessons that I have learned in sobriety have served me well um, in, this, in this, uh, this new venture with the coffee shop, for sure. I, I love it. So who paid the check that night? I managed to pay the check. Uh, I think it. Okay, there you go. I, I love it. And, and, know, and knowing CG the way I know her, you being upfront and honest with her just made her fall more in love with you at that moment, I am sure, because there is something about that being transparent and just laying it out there instead of right. trying to, to uh, be something that you're not. And so right. that's, that's what I love about you guys is just your openness and your rawness and your realness about sharing that this is what this is the reality of my life. And so, you know, when you look back at you before you were sober, could you ever imagine that you would be doing what you're doing now? That you 
are pouring into the lives of people impacted by disability, that you are going to be a general manager of a coffee shop that employs people with disabilities? Could you ever imagine you'd be where you are? Absolutely not. So one of the things that they, you know, that they talk about in AA is, um, you know, write down, you know, where you think your life will be in five years or where you want your life to be in Mm -hmm. five years. And the old adage goes that you're going to, if you if you work the program the way that it's meant to be worked, that you will undersell yourself every single time. And that is that could not be uh, more true of of the last seven years um, and the way that uh, 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 mine and CG's lives have gone. And you know, it's it, I don't know what I even thought how successful people um, or how things happen it's, I always thought there'd be some big booming voice from the sky or there'd mm-hmm. be some sign or there'll be something. And, and I also had this attitude my whole life that, that anybody who was successful just had advantages that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. I had this weird chip on my shoulder that, that, that if someone was better at something than I was, it wasn't because they worked very hard at it. It was because they got a head start. And I don't mm-hmm. know where I got that. And, um, letting go of that has, has changed my life. But I, it, it's just when I quit that job and then we started working on the shop together and I kind of threw myself into that. It was just like, I'm. We're, we're, you wake up one day, and you're like, I'm doing it. Yeah. This, I'm, this is it. This is how this is. This is what, the, this is how people feel when they start doing stuff that they know they're meant to be doing. And um, it's just been, it's been, Every, every time I just focus on doing the next right thing, yes, that that's when I stay out of the way. Mm. And there, I'm not going to act like this has all been sunshine and roses. There have been times where I have tried to interject Michael's opinion on mm-hmm. things. I try to put myself back at the center of the universe, and I try to control things. And that's when things kind of get fouled up. Yep. But if I just keep my mouth shut, yep. stay humble, it happens. Yeah. Open hands, just like God do. Take it yours. Do what you, only you can do in this situation. Because I, I do the same thing. It's like, if I start messing around with it, I'm going to mess it up. That's but right. if I can just go, God, you've got this. Do what only you can do. And and I love that. And I just, I love how you guys have just, like I said, used your gift of running. You know, you run, you talked a little bit about running, meeting the Steyer family, but they, you run with um, Ainsley's Angels, which a lot, yeah. probably a lot of our listeners know about Ainsley's Angels, but tell about what that is because that's something else that you're you've taken your gift of running, your talent, your love for running, and using it to love and serve others. So tell a little bit about that as well. Sure, um, Ainsley's Angels is about uh, having inclusion and and in, in the and the in the sports world, and it's it's for uh, 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 special needs athletes like Bradley. Uh, he is he's confined to a wheelchair, but he's able to participate in the uh, Ainsley's Angels events. <laughs> so it's awesome because he gets so fired up at these events, and and he does like everybody else. He gets ready, he gets stretched, he gets mm-hmm. ready to go. And uh, when we first one of the first races, I'm pushing him, and we just met, you know. So first of all, it's a huge leap of faith to allow someone to push your family member yes. in a five k because I mean it is. Here's the thing. Bradley's a large man mm-hmm. and on some of these 5k routes we're going downhill and we pick up some pretty serious stain going down these hills and one of the first races that I participated in uh we're going downhill and Bradley starts wooing 
started, woo, you know, and he's screaming, he's cheering at the crowd, yelling, screaming. And we finished the race and had such an incredible time. And I, I could not wait to do it again. Well, I, the next week I'm running with my, my training partner, Jeff. And I said, Jeff, I said, me and you stand here, we got four, you know, we've all, we got healthy legs, healthy bodies, we run. I said, how many times have me and you booed after a good run? I mm. said, I said, here we, and, and we take for granted, I feel like, um, being able to do something. And I said, from now on, I said, we have a good run. Something goes well, we're going to woo. And so we, so we, so we start wooing now after we run, but the Ainsley's Angels events, it's individuals with, with, um, with, uh, that 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 want to participate and <clears throat> they have all sorts of different disabilities and mm-hmm. or abilities and yeah. and we pair them with someone that that will push them in the race and that way they can participate it's about inclusion yeah you know? and the running community i have found that the running community is one of the most supportive mm-hmm. uh groups that i have i've ever encountered i've not you know i've not met someone in the running community that's that that doesn't seem to be pretty well adjusted and happy yeah. and willing to help. Yeah. And 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 the Ainsley's Angels here locally uh that Jessica Steyer has started has grown. Uh and and we uh I, the first few events I went to it was Bradley and maybe one other special needs athlete. And I think the last event we went to we had eight or nine individuals that, that participated. So it's starting to grow and it's um it's uh, it's another one of those avenues that we get to mm. use something that I, I again I had no idea what was going to happen with running I yeah. was just doing that because I needed something to occupy all the time that I used to spend drinking mm-hmm. and God took that Redeemed and turned it that, yeah yeah turn, turned that one hundred percent you know he he turned that into something that can be used for a positive experience so great. Well, this is the year of restoration at Rising Above, and we're asking all of our guests on the podcast to share what is what are you doing right now that's allowing God to bring restoration into your life. So, what are you doing, Michael, right now? Well, right now we are um, every single day. We're just kind of putting a list together and figuring out what we have got to what we got to do to get this coffee shop open, mm-hmm. and and sometimes it can become overwhelming you know, and you just have to take it, you know, one, one step at a time. And, um, I continue to run every day. Running is my meditation. Yeah. yeah. And when I go for a run and a lot of times I do run by myself, uh, it's a way I literally, there's probably been people who have seen me running down the road and I'm talking to myself. So they're like, that crazy dude is talking to himself. I saw it. I saw it happen. (laughs) And at this point in my life, I don't care. Like I'm just, Ever, bro. Like, you know, I, th- there was a point in my life where, uh, you know, you may have seen me out at Spanky's. That would be something to be embarrassed of. Yeah. Seeing running down the road, talking to God, mind your business. Don't worry about what I'm doing. Yeah. And, and for me, that's it. And me and CG just try to stay, um, we try to support one another. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, she's had some, she's had some tough blows here lately with her, with her dad and, and his health. And, and just, um, um, we just try to, no matter how crazy things get, we try to, uh, to have time for one another. Mm-hmm. We always try to pray together and and just, just again, just do the next right thing. Yeah. She, she was uh, asked to speak at a, um, a Tennessee Tech at a women's conference. And she's such a good speaker. She's a much better speaker than I am. And 
the the person that introduced that was talking was introducing her um, was talking about how in in their life they they have found that successful people and by successful they meant you know whether it be you know, their money or or whatever successful people they have seen unhappy successful people mm. but they have never seen an unhappy significant person and the significant people are those that help others mm. now they may not. They may not have a million dollars in the bank, but they're always willing to help. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because when I was younger, all I could think about was I wanted, you know, uh, to be wealthy or to Mm -hmm. have money or be recognized, all these these worldly things. And having met CG, gone on this journey together, I I could care less about those things. I'm just, I I would, I would, uh, being a significant person is a, is a, is a much better place to be. So yeah, much higher goal. That's so. it. And we're just trying to help out where we can. Yeah. And and that you do. You all are amazing. And I'm so grateful to can call you guys friends and just uh, I cannot we can't wait to come have our first cup of coffee at the exceptional being here very soon. And Michael, I just want to thank you for your time. I thank you so much for your heart for our community uh, and your love for people impacted by disabilities. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.